Good morning. So I want to start by telling everyone that I achieved a new personal best this morning, most consecutive days living, despite this summer heat's attempt to take me out. I think I died in these streets at least twice this past week. But I'm here today, so praise God. Um, so this is going to be a little uncomfortable for me this morning. This is the second time that I've prepared the sermon that I was going to preach this morning. And so if God ever lets me preach it, it, it should be good. I've had enough prep time on it. Uh, this morning, or yesterday, I was at a meeting and a prodigal son thing was brought up. And later in the day, I was riding around town, had a few errands to run. And I was like, man, I want to hear some preaching. So I looked at my podcast and I was like, hmm. I want to hear somebody else. So I just searched Carter Conlon. I like his preaching. Searched him, flipped to, went to a random uh, message on there, and he was preaching on the prodigal son. And I was like, God, are you changing my sermon? And I didn't have confidence that he was. So I was like, I don't, I don't think he is. Maybe I'll just stick with what I'm preparing and what we're going to preach. Conclude, my plan was to conclude the Confidence of the Believer series, it would have been the third installment, uh, the Confidence of the Believer, the Word of God. So it would all have been about the confidence that we have in the Word of God and that He is who He says He is. And I came down for praise and worship this morning, and we are, the, the worship set was a lot about God rescuing us, us coming out of the grave, the, the restoration that there is in God, what the prodigal son experienced. And so I stood there and thought, man, I can't get away from this thought that God's changing my sermon. So I looked around. I was like, well, maybe I, I have the passage on my phone. Left my phone in the office. I looked around. My wife left her Bible in the office. That never happens. I'm like, there's not even a Bible around here. <laughs> so I walk over to my mom's Oh, and took her Bible, did not even ask, just picked it up and grabbed her Bible and went to Luke 15. And I sat there and I was reading through Luke 15 and I was like, am I really supposed to do away with this outline and, and just go up there? And this is Sunday morning, God, like I've, I've had to go off notes before it, celebrate recovery or something like that. But this is Sunday morning. And uh, I, I'm a, a pretty unsure about going off notes. And Pastor John stood up and said, his strength is made perfect in your weakness. I said, well, I either believe what I was going to preach or I don't. I either have the confidence of the believer and believe that he is faithful to his word, that I can put my faith on the word of God, that his strength is made perfect in my weakness, or I don't. So I said, well, I guess I'll put my notes away. And I forgot those in the office too. <laughs> so praise God. Welcome to Christ Chapel. 
If you're new, we're just regular people that mess up, chase pigs, forget notes, leave Bibles, marry above our status. <laughs> and love Jesus. Every one of us here is saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And every single one of us here that is saved had a prodigal son moment. A moment where we were quickened by the Holy Spirit, where we were called by the Father, and we entered into salvation through Jesus Christ. Every one of us here, that is universally true. There is no one here that has found salvation by some other way, some other mechanism, some other self-help program, some other God. What is it, 4,200 religions in the world and one way to heaven, one empty tomb, one name under heaven given amongst men whereby we must be saved, and that is the name of Jesus Christ. We have all come to Jesus Christ the same way. I didn't know who would be here this morning, but God did. I didn't know who would be here this morning when John called and asked me to preach. I didn't know who would be here when I was preparing. I didn't know who would be here when I started feeling the shift. I didn't know who was going to hear this message when it was confirmed that I was not going to preach what I had planned on. But I'm standing here in faith that God can do the impossible. God's strength is made perfect in my weakness. I'm not able to do this in my own strength. But by the grace and empowerment of the Holy Spirit, I can stand here and share with you who true life lies in, and that is in the name of Jesus Christ. No other name. If you're here today and you think that you've sinned too much, run too far, gone too long, I want to tell you, you you're mistaken. Because the prodigal son wasted everything, and he came home. And when he came to his senses and started heading home, the father saw him while he was still a long way off and ran to him. You're not making this journey back on your own. When you turn to God, he is right there. Come, come, be with me, follow me, deny yourself, pick up your cross, follow me. It's going to be uncomfortable. Right now, for me, it is uncomfortable. I don't have notes. I don't have a nice outline. I like to give you the point numbers, give you some subpoints, some scripture. That's that's not what I have this morning. I have Luke passage 15, chapter 15. And I, and I tremble to say this, but I believe a word of God because I, I prepared to do something else. In the beginning of chapter 15, it says, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners to hear him. The publicans, the bar owners, the drunks, the people that took advantage of other people, the manipulators, the sinners, the harlots. They drew near to Jesus. Why? Why would they draw near to Jesus? Because they saw something there. The Holy Spirit was pulling them, was wooing them. The Father was calling them. And they see in Jesus Christ something that's different. Because what were they used to? Look at verse 2. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. These are the religious elites. These are those that have memorized the Bible. Has anybody else here done that? I haven't. 
They, they had the Bible memorized. They were somebody. And they didn't accept these people into their company. So what was different about Jesus? He came for the lost. He came to restore what was broken. He came to bring life in dead places. He came to shine light in dark places. The gospel is good news because it invades bad places. It invades rough places. It goes where the sinners are. It penetrates through. Because truth, when you hear truth, you're either going to stiffen your neck and run away, or you're going to submit to it. So Jesus was with them. And he hears these Pharisees, these, these people that have committed their life to, to memorizing him. He is the word of God. They have him memorized and don't even recognize him when he's standing in front of them. How would you feel if someone knew your entire biography and did not recognize you when you were standing in front of them? If they could tell you when you were born, where you were born, your whole family tree, your whole history, everything you'd done up until that point, and you're, but I am that person, and they're like, mm-mm, I know that person, you ain't it, because I'm Abraham's son. He said, your daddy the devil, confused. So he went against these religious elites. He offered this parable. We know it as the lost sheep, lost coin, lost son. Now I'll go over the lost sheep and lost coin quickly, but the emphasis this morning is on the lost son. In verse 4, what man of you having 100 sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the 90 and 9, in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he finds it. The sheep is lost and doesn't know how to get back, needs the shepherd. Some of us were there. We just cried out. We knew we were lost. We didn't know how to get back. We just knew that if we cried out, the shepherd would come. Leaving the flock, listening for the sheep, listening for the voice, and goes and picks the sheep up and carries it back on his shoulders. Now, some of us our little knucklehead. Got knucklehead syndrome? Any, any other knuckleheads out there? Been a knucklehead my whole life. Most of it. Sometimes shepherd got to break your legs and carry you around. I feel like he did that to me for a while. For my own benefit. Because then after being carried around and completely cared for by the shepherd, then you're not leaving his side. And you see, okay, if I stick with this guy, I'm not lost. And I don't have to know everything. I don't have to know every pasture where that path leads or that path leads because I know as long as I'm right here, I'm not lost. If I'm right here with the shepherd, I'm not lost. That's some of our story. And when he hath found, I'm sorry, guys. I don't normally read King James, but uh, I'm, trying, I'm trying to like translate in my head and give it to you a little a little easier so we can grasp it this morning because I don't want you to feel like I'm talking at you, talking over your head, or talking from a place of ignorance or pretension. I'm talking to you from a place where I was just as lost as anybody could ever be, and God saved me. When I turned to him, he was there, and he has come forward, and he has fallen upon me and shared his love with me and clothed me in kisses and given me a robe, given me shoes, given me a ring, and taken me in. I am a son of God now 
brothers and sisters. We are the son and daughters of God right now. If that's not your story, I want you to hear this today. If you're in rebellion, if you've hardened your heart, if you've walked out, if you're lost and you don't know how to get back, today, cry out for the shepherd. Today, the hour is late. Do not delay. You never know if you have another opportunity. This I'll do it later procrastination thing, when it comes to the most important decision you could ever make in your life, to submit to Jesus Christ. Don't delay. If you continue to squelch the Spirit, there will come a time where you're so seared he won't call. That's sobering. That's startling. Don't find yourself there. I'm not trying to scare anybody with a, you don't want to burn, do you message. I'm encouraging you. I'm exhorting you. I'm pleading with you to look to the only one that can offer you anything that is eternal. The only one that can offer you salvation. Everything else is a tinsel crown. Everything else we sacrifice for, we scrape for, we work for, we earn is the stuff of tomorrow's dumps, yard sales, and scrap yards. None of it will last. If the hour doesn't get it, God himself will burn it all and make a new heaven and earth. Store your, he- your treasure in heaven. Store your treasure in heaven. There is no rust, no moth or thief that can get it there. Store it there. Do not put your faith in the things of this world. They are all falling away. Does anyone build a snowman and like, I'm just going to keep this snowman forever. That's my retirement plan. That's my 401k. No, because we know, you know, we see the finite end of that. God is eternal. This is finite. This will all end. If you're lost, cry out. The sheep knows he's lost. He just doesn't know how to get home. The shepherd is faithful to his word. He will come to you. But there has to be an authentic turning away, a repentance. Uh, We see ourselves clearly in the law and realize we can't live perfectly as God called us to live. So we need something else. And what is that? The precious spilt blood of Jesus Christ that imparts his righteousness to us. So that when God looks at us and sees us, he sees us through the spilt blood of Jesus Christ. That is the filter. And we are forensically declared righteous. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. It's not something to be embarrassed about. It's not a sad day. You're not giving up so much. You're going to lose some friends. Some people are going to say some ugly things about you. But what are you giving up? Well, I was giving up depression, confusion, addiction, anger. Uh, adultery, sexual immorality. Man, you really just, that must have been hard. (laughs) Don't do it to me. 
I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety-nine and nine just persons which need no repentance. What does that mean? That when one sinner comes, when that sheep that is lost and doesn't know how to get home is bleeding out, and the shepherd comes and picks him up and puts him over his shoulder, and if you've got knucklehead syndrome like me, breaks those legs and keeps him with him, that the rejoicing in heaven is great. Where the things are eternal, the rejoicing is great. Those that are created by God look down and say, it, it is the chosen son of God. It is the daughter of God. Let us celebrate. They celebrate your homecoming. It goes on with the story of the lost coin. Either what woman having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God, every one sinner that repents. The lost coin doesn't know it's lost. It's just under a shelf, under a bookcase. Maybe it fell into the AC vent. Rolled down into the ductwork. But she's not quitting until she finds it. And if God hasn't quit on you and he's still calling unto you, come home. Come home. The heavens rejoice. In the presence of angels, there is great rejoicing when one sinner comes home. It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. It doesn't mean you're going to have it all figured out. It means you realize that you need a Savior and you're crying out to the only one that can save you because you've heard the truth. Through the preached word and the quickening of the Holy Spirit, you realize that you have to cry out for a Savior. You need a Savior. Until you realize that, until you cry out, until that truth sows and the Holy Spirit brings forth fruit, the fruit from it, no one can help you, but you cry out. And God is faithful to his word, and he will receive you unto himself. There is great joy in heaven. Nobody here would, make someone, would embarrass someone. And if they would, we got pastoral staff here that will protect you from that. Because we know that all of us were fools. Read Paul's writings, Galatians, Ephesians, people that live as pagans, that follow the prince of the air, that their God is their appetite. And so were some of you, and destruction was where you were headed. But God has made you a new creation through Christ Jesus, and so shall it ever be. Walk with him, honor him, serve him, make him the center of your life. Don't just give him lip service. 
Don't just profess Christianity and show up to church on Sunday. Get in the Word of God. Know who He is. Increase in your knowledge of Him. Become a more Christ-centered person. Let your light shine to those around you. Be something in the workplace for God. He was something for you. He carried a cross up a hill. He was beaten beyond recognition. His own mother did not recognize him. He bore my penalty. He bore your penalty. He did something for you. Be something for him. Get out of the cheap seats. If you are a believer, and this is convicting you, last week Pastor John talked to the men about being a man of God, being more committed to being a man of God. the, The time for the cheap seats in the West is over. Know who he is. Live for him unashamedly. She found the coin. God is faithful. He'll find you. What will you do when he does? Will you come forward and to the rejoicing of the angels or will you stiffen your neck? Will you resist and solidify yourself as the one that sits on the crown of your own life that makes all the decisions without checking with anyone else and is the ruler of your own way? If that's your choice, can I just share you some truth with you in love? The Word of God says every knee will bow in heaven, on the earth, and under the earth. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. So either you're going to bow or you're going to bow. Will we hear, well done, my good and faithful servant, or will we hear, depart from me, I never knew you? That's a sobering question. Sometimes we need a little self-examination. Then he said, a certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that, f- that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, gathered all of his things, and took his journey into a far country. And there he wasted his substance with riotous living. I lived in that country for decades. Wasted my substance on riotous living. I'll never get those years back to be a man of God. And when the Bible says he restores the years that the locusts has, have eaten, I'm restored right now. And moving forward, I've said, I'm a man of God, and on this foundation, I will stand. And he's given me assignment to preach the word, and I will do that faithfully. But I never get those years back. They're gone. Wasted. Wasted my substance with riotous living. And when, and when I had spent all, I rose, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and I began to be in want. And I went and joined myself to a citizen in that country, and he sent me into his fields to feed swine, the most humiliating and degrading thing. Has anyone ever stayed in the land of riotous living to find yourself in the most humiliating, degrading thing where you never thought you would find yourself when you came to yourself? And you're like, I never would have thought. 
If you'd have told me 10 years ago that I would have gone this far, I'd have said, no, nah, man, I got to hold on that. I, you know, I'm just, I'm just having fun. And that's what a lot of preachers are scared to tell you. The sin is fun. You'll have fun for a season. Oh, it'll be a ball. You'll have war stories to share with your buddies and all the nights that you can't remember with the friends you'll never forget. It'll be awesome. And then the tab comes. And you're like, I'm broke. And they're like, cool, go feed pigs. And you convince yourself that you have no other choice and walk into the slop. And you're so hungry and so deprived and so confused that the husk that the pig chews on looks good to you. It looked good to me. And then in a moment, God revealed himself to me. I came to my senses and I said, there are servants in my father's house that have bread left to spare. Why would I stay in this slop? Why would I make my bed here? The servants are living better than this. They have bread to spare. You know what? I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to humiliate myself because I'm, as a Jewish boy feeding pigs in the slop, there's, I mean, you don't have any pride left. It's, you've debased yourself. So why not? I'm going to go back to my father. I'm going to beg, will you please just let me be a servant in your household? So I don't have to live this humiliating, debased, horrible life. Looking forward to the day I die, because then maybe I won't be hungry. And turns and leaves the land of revelry and riotous living. And walking back home, the father, all these years, sitting on the porch, looking the entire time on the horizon, is my boy coming home. It's my boy coming home. It wasn't an accident. It didn't say the father just so happened to be on the front porch that day. No, no real reason. And just glanced up and saw his son. Pfft, who would have thought? He was there waiting and looking and, and expecting. And when the sun crested the hill, when he darkened, his silhouette darkened the sunset, I can imagine, the father sees him. How did he know? It says he was a long way off. I don't know what their telescopic lenses were like then, but, you know, at a long way off, the father knew, that's my son. And he didn't look exactly the same. He's been starving for a long time. But the father knew, and he knows each one of us. Our, the number, our, our, our hairs are numbered. He knows exactly not just how many are there. They have a, a, each, what each number is. So when one falls out, you've heard Pastor John say this. He knows that was number, you know, some of us got more than others, but maybe, maybe we into 500s, thousands, I don't know. So, some people are like, that was my last one. <laughs> God is current with us. You're not surprising him when you turn around. And he sees you from a long way off. And he runs to him. I want to read this out of the text. Verse 
And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will raise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. We were all dead in our trespass and sin. But when we turn to the Father, when we come back to the Father, and many of us will come back this way with humility. God, I just, you know, I, I just want to know you. I just, I just want to be in your house. And he says, you are my son. You are my daughter. We are celebrating. The angels are cheering right now. They are celebrating the angels whose job it is to worship God, the thrice holy God, who cover their eyes and say, holy, holy, holy is the lamb. They are celebrating right now because you have returned. You are my child. And that is what God does for us. That is how he receives us unto himself. None of us deserved it. None of us earned it. None of us were good enough. None of us passed a test. All of us were slopping pigs, debased and humiliated, and the Holy Spirit quickened us, the Father called us, and the Son gave us access to boldly enter the throne room of God. Because Christ has passed through the great temple in heavenly places, not made by human hands, and placed his blood upon the mercy seat. And in doing that, he made atonement for all of us, and he took his rightful place seated at the right hand of the Father. It is finished. Amen. And he did that work, and it is finished. And we now have the invitation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, to walk in relationship to him, with him, to receive eternal life, to know him and make him known. That is our opportunity now. We don't live as slaves. We're slaves to Christ. But we're not subject to the things of this world. We're not of this world. The dollar is not worth a, a hill of fire ants. Whatever, man. They're coming for your house. Cool. They're going to kill you. Thank God. <laughs> Be absent from the body is present with the Lord. My faith is in him and him alone. And that's not because I have some sort of great perseverance or some sort of awesome self-will. Is because I'm confident that his grace is sufficient for today. And on the day of persecution, his grace will be sufficient for that day. And I lean into his truths because my house is built on the solid foundation of the word of God. And I will not wilt in the face of a society or a culture that tells me 
that I am wrong, that I need to be more tolerant, that I need to subject my children to abuse, to celebrate everybody and everything. No, we have standards. We don't have to sacrifice them all to be tolerant. We walk according to the word of God, which is our final authority for faith and practice. And in it we see how we have been granted salvation, and also once we have received salvation, we see how we are to then live. Walk it out. Alicia, if you would come, please. We're, we're the sons and daughters of God now. He has finished the work. The prodigal son rebelled. He walked right out of the house willfully, said to his father in that culture, essentially, I wish you were dead. I want to be the king of my own life. Give me my stuff. I'm out. And the father did. He didn't keep the son there when the son wanted to go live riotously. He allowed him to walk out. But when he came home, he completely restored him. He put a robe on him. He put shoes on his feet. In that culture, slaves weren't allowed to wear shoes because it would make it easier for them to escape over rocky terrain. So that was the father saying, no, my son, I'm restoring you. Not because you're some great son. You told me that you hate me, you wish I was dead, you took half of what I had and went and wasted it, and now you're back on my door. And does he come out there and say, mm-hmm, look who's back now, knew you were going to mess that up. He fell on his neck and kissed him and said, Welcome home, son. Here is a robe. Here are shoes. Here is a ring. You are my son. He didn't ask him what it was like slopping pigs. He never held that over his head that I can find in the text. If you're here today, and you would say, man, I'm so sick of these pigs. I'm so sick of looking at these corn husks and wishing I could eat them. I, I want to go back to my father's house. I invite you to come, not because there's something special about this altar but because you were bold living riotously and you can take a little bit of that boldness now and take a stand for the one that paid your penalty and gave you the opportunity to come home if the Holy Spirit is quickening you and the Father is calling you please respond I'm going to open the altars and just invite you to come forward and commit your life to Christ. Surrender it all to Him. He gives you beauty for ashes. You don't need it all figured out right now. All the doubts and all the tricks that the enemy is using, push those aside and move your feet. Right now, stand up and respond to God.
Praise God. <clears throat> Can I have a man pray with him, please? Praise God. He sees you. He knows your name. He is current with you. And he sees you from a long way off. Respond to him. It's not too late. You have not sinned too much. You have not gone too far. If you would say that I've, I'm not where I used to be with God. I feel dry and weary. I feel like I'm in a desert land. I need a spirit. I need him. I, I invite you to come and just make a declaration that from this day forward, you're going to make Christ the center of your life that you're going to submit to him more fully, that you're going to seek him more earnestly, that you're going to knock more determined and more relentlessly, that you're going to honor him with your life. I invite you to come. If there's anyone else in the house that just wants to come sit at the feet of the cross, that wants to sit at the throne room of God, I just invite you to come. The altars are open.
Church family, would you stand with us this morning? Would you give me just about 90 seconds and then we'll close in prayer. Well, first of all, Jason, what a timely word, man. Anointed. Uh, we thank God for it. Can someone say amen this morning? Amen. The story of the prodigal is very multifaceted. There was all that Jason said, the rebellion, uh, the shame, um, the arrogance, the ignorance. But there's a, a little hidden story in there. And the word is proximity. There are believers here today that we're not in the hog pen, but we're 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 home, but we're not there. Like our kids can be home, but not there. You can be at dinner with your wife or husband, and they're there, but they're not there. Proximity uh, in the moment, and to me that. There's a fight for that. I, I, I want to be near enough to where y'all, my little boy, Elisha, he's at that age where he'll just say that minor Kelly's name over and over and over and over. We have a three-level house, and he'll just stay where he's at and keep saying our name. I'm like, how can I hear you and you cannot hear me? You know, and I'll answer. He goes, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. I'm like, what? I'm here. What? What? proximity could it be that the Lord say in your name over and over and over but you're, you're home but you're not in the same room with him we need to put our phone down unplug the stuff from the wall and spend time with him I felt that in my heart today and that's the desire of my heart So, Father, I thank you for your spirit, for the power of your word. And, Lord, I I just thank you for me, and I know there are others, that part about proximity. For you to say about coming to get us in the rapture, you said, because where I am, I want you to be there also. I pray that we would make living with you more than just an address. That we would live with you and by you and for you near you and may we live so close that we don't have to call out we know what room you're in we go right there I thank you for this house for the leadership here for those that serve those that teach our babies those that watch our kids that lead worship that pray for us oh Lord I'm praying in this last hour Lord that you would make Christ Chapel a lighthouse an incubator, a triage, a birthing center, a preschool. Blow across the embers of this church again, Lord. Make us come to life again for your glory. And we give you praise today, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for rescuing us. For all the lost coins and the lost sheep and the lost sons in this room. On their behalf, I just want to say thank you, Lord, for finding our hiding place and setting us in your home. In the name of your son, we bless you. And all of God's people said, amen. Hey, 
before you go, can I tell you a quick, quick story that'll encourage you? How many of you know about our pastor uh, in Nairobi? Christ Chapel, Nairobi, Sammy Nzedzi. Well, we send him and, and others, others too, of course. You're giving. We don't take special offerings all the time. We just send and send and we pay for their internet. They are just about finished with their church. It's beautiful. They've mudded the walls and they've got their, he's got a glass pulpit and it's got like 11 names on it. It says Christ Chapel, Redemption Center, Holy Ghost of God in Christ Incorporated. It's his long name. He's just as proud as he can be of it. But they have been watching our Sunday morning services on a 19-inch screen. And they gather around it and stand and watch the teaching. And this week, we sent him enough money. They're, they've got a 65-inch ultra-high-def television. <laughs> And the people in the neighborhoods are coming listening to the word of God. So thank you for your giving. I thought that would be encouraging to you. God bless you.